out of nothing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Our God is incredible. And I felt like we needed to step back a little bit and look at the vastness and the majesty and the power of our God who is incredible. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent everywhere. He is God. He is beyond our finite minds. He is so incredible. We cannot begin to put words together to describe our incredible God. He is so amazing. How big is God? He is incredibly big, but he has also chosen to allow his holy presence to be limited and to come and dwell inside us, which Paul refers to us as earthen vessels, as like pots of clay. That same God that spoke and unfurled by his very word, the creative power that set in motion all of the stars and the planets and the sky and the elements and this earth that we live on, which is just a tiny little speck in comparison to what is out there and the vastness of outer space. And this video, by the way, is about eight years old, and I'm sure if I could have found a current one, there would have been so much more scientific information on there. But that was just a little glimpse of the vastness of God's creation, of his power and his majesty. And yet he has chosen by the power of his Holy Spirit to come into our spirit and awaken our spirit and make it come alive to be born again and to live inside of each one of us who will open our heart to him and say, yes, he is in you. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are not talking about an it. We are talking about him, the third person of the Trinity, who is God and who has chosen to come into us and be present within us. Wow. Can you just say, wow? (laughs) I mean, that's a big wow. And I think sometimes we take so much for granted, and we need to just reawaken the awe in our hearts and minds of who God is and who his Holy Spirit is. And while we're speaking of Holy Spirit, he is holy. He is pure He is completely holy. There is nothing in our God. In um, the book of James, it says there is no shadow or turning in him. There's no shadow in God. He's completely pure, glorious light. And he is holy. And if you start to get a revelation of God and his holiness, you will find it really hard to say something like, holy cow, or holy s that other awful word. There's no such thing as those kind of things being holy. Holy God. Holy Spirit. Not holy cow. Not holy whatever. Holy guacamole or whatever. Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, it's just something that we get in the habit of saying, but when you stop and think of what that word holy means, 
It doesn't apply to a cow or anything else. It applies to God, and it applies to his people who have been made in his image, who are born of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit, and who the Spirit begins to clean up and sanctify. And then he says that we are holy because he's in us. So when you are born again, guess what? You are now called, the Bible says that we are called saints. Not because of us, not because of anything we did to earn it, but because we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in us begins the work of cleaning up our vessel and changing us. And we become what Paul says, you are a chosen generation. Excuse me, not Paul. Peter says it. First Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen generation. You are a holy people. You are God's own peculiar treasure, or your, when it says peculiar, it means different, set-apart treasure, because you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So now we are a holy people, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And you will begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit changing you from the inside out, how many of you can remember things that you used to do without a blink of an eye? It didn't even matter. You would just do it. But when the Holy Spirit came in, what did he begin to do? You began to be changed. Your inner motivation began to be changed. And the things that were easy for you to do, you started to feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit saying, no, that's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are anymore. Now you're a child of God. You're a daughter of the Most High God. You're a son of the Most High God. You don't have to behave that way anymore. You don't have to talk like that. You don't have to treat your spouse like that anymore. You do not, that is not who you are. That is not your identity anymore. And God begins to change us, and he gives us the strength. It's his spirit inside of you that will give you the strength to overcome those things and to stop doing those things. It's his spirit inside of you that changes you. But you know what? One of the things that um, we, as the clay vessel, can do, and sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it, we can quench the Holy Spirit, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can resist the Holy Spirit, and we can deny the Holy Spirit. And so I feel like this morning, one of the, and I'm, and we're going to be talking about the topic of the Holy Spirit for several weeks because it's a very, this is a very important topic. He is a very important person for us to understand and to become more aware of. And I think one of the things that I sense God wanting me to specifically focus on a lot today is for us to tune in to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life because He is always speaking. Jesus said he will be our guide, he will be our teacher, he will be our empowerer. But we, if we're not careful, can begin to resist him and not to listen when we have those inner promptings. How many of you have noticed those inner promptings, you know, where you'll just sort of feel a nudge on the inside? You just kind of feel like, mm, a little, like a little one of these, you know, like time out, time out, time out. No, no, no. Uh, That's the Holy Spirit's voice. That's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. But if we just ignore that voice, if we continue to ignore that voice, you will find that your heart becomes hard 
and you have actually resisted the wonderful, loving, guiding voice of the Holy Spirit within you, and you will become what Paul talks about as being dull of hearing. You will become dull of hearing, so that when the Holy Spirit is working to nudge, you have just kind of tuned out, and you become dull of hearing. And I know none of us want to go there. We don't want that kind of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So let's look today at some of the things that we need to remind ourselves or learn about the Holy Spirit. First of all, in Matthew 3, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to look at Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 3, we're going to look specifically at verses 16 and 17 for the sake of time. And this was when Jesus came to John and told him that he wanted John to baptize him. And John said, Jesus, I am not worthy to baptize you. I need you to baptize me. But Jesus said, no, this needs to happen. I need you to do what I'm asking you to do. You need to baptize me. So John consented and baptized Jesus. And in verse 16, it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. And with him I am well pleased. Excuse me. So we see that when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him and he took the form of a dove. That's what people saw with their eyes. God used that as a visible evidence of the Holy Spirit coming down on Jesus and baptizing him and anointing him with power for the ministry that God had called him to. This was the moment where God anointed Jesus for the ministry that he had been called to because Jesus had come in Philippians for it talks about how Jesus came and he limited himself to the form of a human being. He came as the last Adam. And so I know you've heard us say this before, but I'm going to say it again. Everything that Jesus did in his ministry, he did as the last Adam, as a man, God, fully God, 100% God, but limiting himself to a man anointed, by the Holy Spirit. So the power of God came on him and anointed him because he had to do what the last Adam didn't do, and he had to do it as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit with the power of God on him to do what God had called him to do. do you, does everybody understand that? He was still fully God, 100% God, and he was man, and he limited himself to that. And for the sake of making sure that I'm not taking anything out of context, I'm going to go to the scripture in Philippians so you can write it down and have it. And I said Philippians 4. It's actually Philippians 2. It starts in verse 5. And Paul is writing to us, to the church at Philippi, but also to all of us. Your attitude should be the same of as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. That Greek word there, nothing, means he emptied himself. He took on the very nature of a servant and was made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, 
even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is coming a day when every knee will bow. The people that say there is no God Now on this earth, there is coming a day where they will see him face to face and they will bow and they will regret their denial and their refusal of accepting Jesus as Savior. But Paul is saying that Jesus emptied himself and became as a man. So it was under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We're back in Matthew that Jesus did the works that he did. And he did it complete in complete reliance on God the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think Jesus spent so much time in prayer? He continually sought God and he continually prayed and he said over and over, I only do what I hear, what I see the Father doing and I only say what I hear the Father saying. So he was in constant communion with God the Father and moving under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when the woman with the issue of blood came seeking Jesus and she came and she snuck, sneaked through the crowd? And she was a woman who wasn't supposed to be out because she was considered unclean. She would have been all those many years um, isolated and rejected by society. But she sneaked through the crowd, and she came as close as she could possibly get. She probably, Jesus would have had so many people pressing around him that she would have had to just push her way through the crowd, trembling in fear, knowing that if she got caught, she would be um, in serious trouble. But she pressed in, and she reached her hand out, and she said to herself, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be healed. Now, there's a woman of great faith, for one thing. That's not my topic, but there's a woman of great faith. And when she touched Jesus, do you remember what happened? Jesus said, someone touched me, because he said, I felt the healing power flow from my body. See, Jesus was a man under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He had limited himself, and so he said, I know someone touched me. Someone with faith touched me because I felt the power going out of my body, but I don't know who it was, but I want to know because whoever it was has great faith, and I want to commend that person. That's essentially what it was because he commended her. And so then they all said to him, well, Jesus what do you mean somebody touched me? Um, look at, there's this whole crowd. Everybody's pressing in to touch you. But of course, you know the rest of the story. The woman, trembling in fear, fell before him and said, it was me. I did it. And Jesus said, woman, great is your faith. And he commended her. But I'm using that as an example to say that we have Jesus anointed by the Holy Spirit, going about and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, but doing it with the anointing of the Spirit of God upon his life. You and I, all of us, vessels of clay, human beings, anointed by the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And I feel like the messages that I'm bringing right now, God wants us to break off the mindsets that limit us 
from realizing how much God wants to use each one of us to bring his kingdom into this community, into the circle of people that we can influence, into our families, and into our everyday life. I am telling you that God wants to do way more than what's happening in Alpena right now through the body of Christ. He wants his kingdom to invade the darkness. There is darkness here in our community. There is darkness on the block on which you live. There is darkness in the school system. There's darkness in our college. There's darkness at the hospital. There's darkness at your places of employment, most likely. There's darkness. Wherever we go, there's people that are hurting, that are oppressed, that are confused, that are in bondage, that are addicted to things, that are being, um, you know, battered, that are being harmed. There's families that are broken. There's children that are being neglected. There's things happening all throughout our community. Is this God's will? This is not God's will. He has provided the body of Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us so that we can go out and be a light and be salt and be advancers of his kingdom. Gary said earlier, we are in the family business. Yes, we are in the family business, and God's family business is people. It's those people that he created in his image who he loves. And I am, I am so convinced that God wants to release his power and his authority through the body of Christ in ways that we have not yet experienced. When Jesus came into his own hometown, let me see, I think I have that somewhere. <clears throat> I've got several messages that are brewing in my heart. Um, Okay, here it is. Let's look at Mark 6. See, what happens is when you begin to prepare a message for something on, like we are on, Gary and I are on Sunday, not only are you preparing a message, but then God's just speaking to you personally also and stirring things up. So I woke up at four in the morning and God was stirring all kinds of things up and I got up and I was writing down my notes. So then I have this message that was for me, which I am sharing a little bit of it with you now. And then I had this message that is for you guys. And so I'm like, okay, which things does God want me to share? But, um, this I think is important for us to take a look at. It's in Mark chapter 6, where Jesus went into his own hometown, and I'm starting in verse 1, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came in Mark 6, 1, he began to teach in the synagogue. That was the religious gathering place for the Jewish people. And many who heard him were amazed. Now, if they were amazed, that means his teaching was incredible. He was teaching with authority. We've seen that description in other places that he was teaching with authority and they were amazed. And so they, they were like, wow, where did this man get these things, they asked. What is this wisdom that has been given to him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They took offense at Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. 
what was happening here? What was happening here in this town? What was going on here? Jesus came into his hometown, and what was his desire? What did he want to do in that town? He wanted to do the same thing he did in other towns, right? He was willing. That was his heart's desire. That was his plan and intent, was to do the same thing in his hometown that he had done in other towns. And when we read through the Gospels, we can see that what happened in other towns was incredible. Everyone was coming to him. People were healed and set free from demonic influences. And he was willing to do that in his own hometown. But let's look at verse 5. It says here, He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now I shared with you a few minutes ago about the woman with the issue of blood, and Jesus commended her, and he was amazed at her faith. But here we have an example where Jesus is amazed at the lack of faith in his own hometown. They were familiar with Jesus. They knew him. His family lived in that town. They knew his brothers. They knew his sisters. Joseph and Mary had gone on to have children after Jesus was born. And so they said, we know his family. This is just Jesus. This is that little boy that grew up and worked in the carpenter shop. Who does he think he is? He may have come into town, and yes, he's got a good teaching, and you know, he sort of acts like he's somebody with authority, and he's even, we're, we're hearing about all the miracles he's been doing, but we know this guy. And you know what? Their doubt and their unbelief literally created an atmosphere, is that when I talked to you earlier about coming together with a sense of expectation on Sunday, so that we are creating an atmosphere of faith and expectation where the Holy Spirit feels welcome to come and have his way. They created an atmosphere of doubt and unbelief. And Jesus marveled at it. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be on the other side where Jesus says, Great is your faith. I don't want to be on the side where he's marveling at my doubt and my unbelief. Now, it's, this, is a hard, this is a hard thing to understand because he's God. How is it that their doubt and unbelief could actually limit? And you know, that's something that we need to think about because I believe that the body of Christ has so much doubt and unbelief in our lives that we limit the very things that God is willing to do when we gather together on Sunday morning. And I believe that if anybody needs to have a finger pointed at them, not that we want to point fingers, but a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, if only they had faith, they would have been healed. Well, I think that is really an ignorant thing to say because I think it falls on the whole body of Christ, the corporate body of Christ for our lack of faith, that we are creating an atmosphere where there is so much doubt and unbelief that though the Holy Spirit inside of each one of us wishes to do so much more, we're like, "Mm, mm, I don't feel comfortable with that. Mm -mm. No, I don't want to say that. I do not want to tell my testimony because I don't know what they're going to think of me. 
No, I don't want to go up to that person and even though I feel like God is telling me to go say something to them, mm-mm, no, 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 I'm just, that's just not me. I'm just kind of an introverted person and, you know, God, that's just not my personality type. Well, guess what? Guess what? You are not going to be a person that does much advancing of the kingdom of God because you're saying no to the Holy Spirit. And I'm not trying to bring condemnation or shame on anybody. If the Holy Spirit convicts you as I'm talking, that's a different story. But I'm just trying to say we need to take a look at these things and be honest. And on a Sunday morning when we're gathered together, if we will just pray and say, God, here I am. Use me, God. And out in our neighborhoods and wherever we are, God, use me. You know, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are turned toward him. That's in Chronicles. I can't remember if it's 1st or 2nd, 9.16, I think it is. Sorry, I just came to me and I don't remember exactly the location. But God is looking. He is always looking. So what does this all mean for us as believers and followers of Christ? Well, I want to just share a couple more things with you. Do you have something? Oh, okay. Sometimes Gary and I communicate with each other, and I just wanted to make sure I wasn't overlooking something. I want to talk with you about the Holy Spirit, because I think you all understand this and realize it, but Jesus said we needed him. Jesus said basically to his disciples when he was getting ready to ascend to heaven, Don't go out and try to do ministry yet. You need to go and wait for the power from on high that I have promised you and that my Father wants to send to you. So let's look at that. Let's look at Luke 24. We're going to look to the Gospel of Luke now. Matthew, Mark, Luke 24. And you know, honestly, talking about the Holy Spirit is a topic that I really love to talk about because he is the third person of the Godhead and he is the one that is here on the earth bringing about God's kingdom. And so we really, really need to know and recognize him and honor him. So Luke 24, verse 49. Jesus was telling his disciples, actually we'll start at verse 48. says, you are witnesses of these things, and I am going to send you what my Father has promised. So first of all, the Holy Spirit is a promise from the Father. He said, but stay in the city. And it literally means to sit down and wait. Sit down and wait. Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. That word clothed, is, means what it says. It means like somebody helping you into a coat. Somebody coming along behind you. I should have had you do this to make it more illust- illust- illustrative or whatever the word is. Um, it means somebody coming up behind you and clothing you in a garment and putting it on you. So Jesus was saying to his disciples, you need to go. You're going to be my witnesses. But before you go out, You need the promise that my Father has promised from on high. I need you to go and wait. I need you to go and sit and wait patiently until he comes. Because when he comes, you're going to be clothed 
with power. You're going to have power put upon your life that you need in order to fulfill the commission and the calling that I have put upon you. You're going to need my power because when you walk in my power, it will make all the difference. When you let my power flow through you, you're going to do the same things that I did, the same things that Jesus did, he's called us to do. He said, go and cleanse the lepers. He said, go and heal the sick. He said, go and raise the dead. How many of you have seen those things happening lately? How often do we see those things happening in the church? I'm telling you, I'm just stirred up right now. Um, You know what? Jesus didn't change his mind. He did not change his mind. We are in what's called the church age, and it has not ended. And it will not end until Jesus comes back. And we're, we're, you know, every day we're getting closer to that time. We don't know the day or the hour when he's coming back, but there's a lot of signs in the earth that are really pointing toward the fact that we are, we are in days that could be considered last days. And I, that's not my topic for today, but I'm just saying that these things were never intended to be absent from the kingdom of God, or from the body of Christ, because they are a part of the kingdom of God. Miracles are meant to still be happening. People who are in bondage to demonic oppression, God means for them to be set free from their bondage. He means for them to be released from the torment of the enemy. I get so mad when I think about how much the enemy beats people up. And in Isaiah 58, 6, it says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to set the captives free and to undo the heavy yokes and to open the prison doors? That's our job description. And guess what? We might feel inadequate. We might feel like we don't know whether we're coming or going. Gary and I sometimes wake up on a Sunday morning, and I pray this way a lot. I'll say, Lord, I don't know how to go out or to come in, but I just ask that your Holy Spirit would guide me today and give me wisdom. And we feel inadequate so often, and I get up here on a Sunday morning, and I feel inadequate, but it's not about me. It's about him, and it's about who's in me, and it's about me letting him have his way. And I declare to you, it's the same thing for every one of you. The more we tune in to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the more we listen to him and become sensitized to his presence, the more he will work through you and he will increase in you and he will mature in you and he will say, I can trust this person. And you will step out in confidence and you'll say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And you will start seeing things happening. Heidi Baker, who has an incredible ministry, Heidi and Roland Baker, in Mozambique, tells the testimony of how she was crying out to God and saying, God, I want to be able to see people healed. She lives in a country where they don't have hope. They don't have doctors to go to like we do. They can't just go like I did this morning to Rite Aid and buy a decongestant because I'm fighting an upper respiratory, whatever it is. And I have prayed for healing, but I've I've been um, run down lately. I know I have. I haven't been getting enough rest. And I feel like I was just physically vulnerable, and so I got this upper respiratory thing, and I went and I bought a decongestant. They can't do that. They can't do that. They don't have any hope except Jesus Christ. So she began to pray, and she began to say, God, I want you to use me for healing. And she felt like the Lord spoke to her and said, just step out and start praying for every person that you see. Was it deaf or blind? Blind. 
Every person who's blind. So every town that she went into, every little village that she went into, if there was somebody blind, she would step, she would cross the street if she had to, to go pray for them. Do you know how long it took of her doing that faithfully before she saw the first healing? Twelve months. She didn't get discouraged. She did it for 12 months. She kept pressing in. She kept pressing in because she knew that God wanted her to do this. And she knew that when she broke through, when her faith got to the place where she saw this begin to happen, it would change everything. And you know what happens? Now she knows that every single village that she goes into, she'll say to them, bring me all your blind people. If you have anybody here that can't see, bring them to me. And my Jesus, in a Muslim village, my Jesus will heal them. She knows. She knows because she has broke through her doubt and her unbelief, and she's come to the place where she knows that Jesus will heal them. So they bring the blind, and they are healed. And the whole village is moved on by the power of the Holy Spirit. And most of the time, many, many, if not all of those in the village convert to Jesus Christ. Because you know what? Jesus... I'm going to look, um, sorry, I'm jumping around just a bit here because I'm closing in just a moment. But Jesus, I love this verse in Mark 16 when he gave the Great Commission. It says in chapter chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said to his disciples, and this includes you and I, This includes everyone who believes in Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will, not might, will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. You don't have to be afraid of demons, by the way, because you know what? That God that created everything is in you. He's in you, and you have his authority. You don't have to be afraid of demonic spirits. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. It doesn't mean you should go pick up snakes, but he's just talking about the authority that he has, and that we have in him. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Do not drink deadly poison. That's not what this is saying. Don't, you know, don't get extreme and think crazy things. But they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Here's the part that I want you to see in verse 20, because the Lord was taken up into heaven, and then in verse 20 it says, the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them, confirming his word by the signs that accompanied it. And I submit to you this morning that if we would preach God's word and speak it out and be expectant, that we would begin to see incredible things happen. Life's changed more happening in our community than is happening now. And so I just want to encourage you to stand to your feet. I feel that one of the things God would call us to do this morning is to just ask his forgiveness for the ways that we have not believed him and given place to doubt and for the ways that we have perhaps quenched or resisted his Holy Spirit. And then to invite his Holy Spirit to reawaken our hearts and our minds to him. So if you're willing to pray that prayer, I'm just going to lead in a prayer, and you can repeat after me if you'd like. And if you mean it from your heart, something's going to change for you internally. Let's pray together. 
Father God, we come to you this morning. And I ask you to forgive me for the ways that I have fallen into doubt and unbelief. I don't want to quench your spirit. I don't want to resist. And I don't want to grieve your spirit. Today, I ask you to awaken me spiritually and fill me afresh and anew with your presence. Holy Spirit, fill me. Guide me and lead me. And help me to release your power and your presence wherever I go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll see you next week. Next week we'll continue talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the coming weeks and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if anyone feels like you need prayer this morning, our prayer team is available up here. And it's not about the people, it's about the Holy Spirit in us. And we would be glad to pray for you. So God bless you. There's coffee and refreshments in the lower level. And we'll see you next Sunday or Wednesday at discipleship class.